The Next Round, a marketing inspiration podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Next Round, the AAR podcast about transformation and marketing of some of the UK's most famous brands. I'm your host, Robin Charney. I've been working in marketing and digital for over 20 years and now help other marketeers with their business challenges as the lead consultant for the ecosystem design practice here at AAR. Each episode is a fast-paced conversation with a super smart marketeer sharing the story of their heritage brand, its history, innovation, transformation, and most importantly, its next round. Why heritage brands? Because their journeys are more interesting, richer, and more complex. And frankly, we've all got a lot to learn from them. Today, I am super excited to be chatting to someone who leads marketing at what is perhaps the oldest brand I've had on the podcast to date. This brand can trace its heritage back to 1660. It's been alongside us and protecting us for centuries and is part of the very fabric and history of the UK. I'm really pleased to welcome Nick Terry, CMO for the recruiting group at the British Army. Hey, Nick, welcome to the next round. Hi, Robin. Great to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. Let me share with you a bit about Nick. As CMO for recruiting group, the partnership between the British Army and Capita Nick is part of the senior leadership team that has transformed Army recruitment, delivered commercial targets, and rebuilt its reputation as an exemplar of public-private sector partnership. Nick is one of the 100 most effective marketers in the UK and has delivered a number of award-winning and really effective campaigns. He's won the IPA Effectiveness Gold and the Marketing Week Masters of Marketing Long-Term Brand Building Excellence Award. The work and turnaround from the Army marketing is some of the most visible and debated work of the last few years. Let's jump in. I'd love it if you could kick us off, Nick, by just setting a bit of context for us around some of the challenges Army recruitment has faced in the last few years. There's been quite a lot of societal changes that have impacted how the Army recruits, hasn't there? Absolutely. And if we go back in the last sort of four or five years, we've seen a number of things that have sort of impacted our our ability to recruit. We've seen a, a shrinking uh, youth population. Up until quite recently, we've seen things like uh, employment rising fairly rapidly. And in a very sort of competitive uh, context out in the market, the army needs to try and um, attract, I guess, a sort of an unfair proportion of, of those seeking uh, new career challenges. And I guess when I, when I came in in, in 2016, what we found was that applications to join had started to plateau and we weren't able to kind of cut through uh, in the numbers that we needed to give the army what they needed in terms of new recruits turning up on day one um, for for basic training. And therefore, we had to sort of undergo a complete reset uh, of our strategy and really build back from the very beginning to to create a longer term strategy and approach that would allow us to just to really attack those those numbers that we needed to to generate and to do that consistently over over the years and to really make a step change in that overall marketing performance to try and drive the front end of that whole process. This is a classic story of a kind of sales and marketing reset in kind of consumer parlance, isn't it? Um, you needed to, to to modernize your offering and to just to become more attractive to a wider audience. And I'd love to hear I guess a little bit about where you started and and you know what what was the challenge from a marketing point of view really to kind of set the context. Well, I think up to that point we'd probably been confusing our 
target audience. We had sort mm. of disparate strands of activity, disparate campaigns, all largely talking to the same kind of people, advertising and marketing all of the different career streams and role types within the army. So really the, the sort of two fundamental building blocks of the strategy was a complete overhaul of the target audience and a really robust segmentation exercise to really you know map out the whole market who was who was up for it who wasn't um and i guess the sort of the first big insight was to really sort of stop targeting the people that were going to join anyway so for the people that wanted to see all of that you know guns and tanks and 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 all of the the sort of the, the combat related stuff they were already going to join so hence, um, we didn't really need to to prioritize our, our marketing spend to that group. Um, it was really the the layers below that. Um, so the ones that may be considering it, but actually needed a bit more persuading that the army was the right career option for them and it could give them, you know, um, the best possible career path that they could need. So rebuilding that segmentation, but also then how we express that creatively, creating a new campaign platform that really sort of spoke to um, to this group of people that needed that extra persuasion, that wanted to see something more surprising from the army mm. to get them to reappraise their view of what the army was, what it does, and why it was the right career option for them. And really to move away from, I guess, sort of very rational uh, communication and messaging to something that was much more emotional what we also found in a very cluttered competitive space where the market is talking about jobs and skills and at the time you know jobs were very uh, sort of plentiful we actually had to connect with people through the heart so that they stayed through what is uh, can be a you know a, a long process because you've got to go through all of the, the checks and balances um, before you're able to to start in basic training from the moment that you apply so for some it's very it's a very quick process for others it can take a little bit longer um so we have to kind of keep people interested and keep people motivated and that emotional approach was very deliberate at the outset so that people could really kind of connect with that opportunity mm. and not drop out throughout the process because they're just looking for a job um any job will do that makes a lot of sense and i'm really heartened to hear you talk about creativity so so early on in our chat, because to me, it's such a core component of, of the transition and the change that we've seen. I wanted to talk about the challenge of, of making that kind of change in an organization like the Army, which has, you know, I'm sure a number of very senior stakeholders who perhaps aren't marketeers and who don't come from a marketing background. So I'd, I'd love to hear how you brought people on the journey with you in that leadership team because you know given a you know a brand that has such a long history and such a kind of proud history i'm sure it wasn't easy to change the way you talk about the army to a lot of people who have been there their whole careers how did you do that yeah and it's it's not been an easy journey either uh, to get to that point as well and i think the starting point for us was to have a sort of very clear strategic uh imperative if you like to to go down this route so we had to you know we had to have the the evidence base to have uh you know done our research done our homework but also we spent time taking people on that journey as well you know we we, we deal with lots of different stakeholders um uh throughout the whole process right up to ministerial 
level and being very clear about the need to do this and the need for a different approach. We had to have that trust there, you know, across all, across all parties to, to be clear about that and to, to get the buy-in for that approach as well. Have you got some tips on how, how people can, I mean, not everyone has to, I guess, convince a minister of defense that their campaign is, is worthy, but um, I'd love if you had a, some, some advice for others on how to get people on the bus, so to speak. For me, it's classic storytelling. It's creating a really compelling narrative as to why you're doing this. You know, what's, what, what, what's it for? What's it going to achieve? But to really put the sort of full story behind it so people can understand it, uh, make it very clear and easy. Uh, bring it to life as much as possible. Use all of the uh, available data that you've got to prove the case um, where you can. And I guess you know we were given the given the opportunity and the trust to do that. And after the first year, it was evident that you know that had been a success. We saw that step change straight away in terms of that performance um, and the increase in the overall volume of applications, and therefore. For the second year and the third year, you know, that conversation gets a little bit easier because you're then demonstrating the proof. But there's no short, there's no sort of amazing shortcut to it. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of hard work from, from everyone across my team, across our agency network to really sort of bring all of that together. Mm. Um, you know, with all of the sort of complexities about what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it, but to simplify that as much as possible so that, you know, whoever we're talking to um, can really sort of understand all of it, you know, and to, to make it as as real as, as possible. That makes perfect sense. And I'm going to dig into your agency and team structure in a second. But I think the Army is kind of one of the original brands, you know, with purpose. I don't think you had to go looking for it, did you? You're, you're clear on who you are and, and what you stand for. Does that help when it comes to making a change like this? I think it helps to a degree, uh, because I think, you know, other, other organizations that have bolt on a purpose angle to, to their business tend to struggle with that sometimes. And also through the eyes of the people they're trying to talk to cannot, you know, can often run into difficulties about authenticity mm. and the drivers behind that. The army's always been incredibly clear about, about its purpose, as, as you say. And, you know, just having that as part of its makeup, it just makes the whole process for us much, much easier. Everyone knows, you know, that, that the army does things around combat and, you know, is there to protect the nation, both at home and abroad. But it's also the other things that the army does in terms of its, um, uh, preventing conflict first and foremost, as well as, you know, responding to, to crisis and disasters, whether that's floods, fires, COVID, mm. Ebola. Um, and all of the humanitarian effort, mm. it's been described as the nation's insurance policy in those kinds of situations. And it absolutely is. So from a, a marketing perspective, you know, that's, that's gold. You've had very long lasting and productive and award-winning relationships with your creative and media agency. And I wanted to ask you what the secret was to that longevity. You know, how, do, how does that long-term investment on both sides help contribute to great work and the great results you've seen? Yeah. And it's something that's really important to me um, is, is, having, is having those long-standing relationships where we've, we've built that over time. We've got sort of true partnerships in every sense of the word. 
you know, it's not a client agency type relationship. We're, we're all part of, of one team, essentially. And I think that's really important. We allow time and space for each agency to do the things that they are great at. We're very generous in, the, in that, in the time that we afford to them to be able to do their jobs. And we're not, you know, stepping on toes or trying to be over, overly fussy about managing that, that mm. time. But we're working to, to a shared objective, some shared aims, very clear about how we want to achieve that. Um, as with anything, you know, there's always, there's always challenges. There's things that you need to overcome. And that's where you, those sort of moments of truth where you test the relationship out as you would with any other form of relationship. And I think that's where we get the real benefit of that time as well. And that sort of long, long standing, uh, partnership that we have in place when there are challenges, where there's things that we need to do or things that we need to react to. We come up with solutions we move forward you know there's there's mm. there's very few times you fall, fall out over these things at all yeah there's been not if you've got the yeah. right foundations no definitely not and i love this idea of generosity that you talked about i think that's a really lovely concept and one that i haven't really heard talked about so much in terms of agency relationships i think it's great and you talked about shared objectives also um do you set those together on a yearly basis with your agencies we do. We, yeah. It's something we do at the strategic um, foundation for each year. So we bring all of that information together. We'll talk about that. We'll kind of make those um, objectives very clear. And we work together as a team to to play to everyone's strengths in terms of how we're going to solve those uh, problems and to meet the objectives that we've got to, uh, to achieve commercially as well. That seems like a very um, grown-up way of, of managing your agencies. I, I salute you on that because that's not always the case. Um, and also, I think it's also important given that, and I can't think of another brand where this is the case, where every time you launch a campaign, it's in the news. And, <laughs> and, and I don't just mean the marketing news. I mean the news news, the real news. Um, and I'm sure you don't set out to be deliberately provocative, although I'm sure there's a little bit of that. They are provocative. They are making news. And I'm just curious about, number one, do you deliberately design that in? And how do you plan for it? Because not everyone's you know, campaign is on national television or talk radio phone-ins. I mean, it must be Ner- I mean, it'd be nerve-wracking for me. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> it could be nerve-wracking for me too, um, depending on how long it goes on for. Um, if it's day two and three, then, you know, that's maybe something a bit more to worry about. But do we design that in? What we do design in is that, again, from our approach and the need to kind of speak to a young generation, mm. we need to have something new to say. I think we've spent a lot of time in really understanding the lives of our target audience. So if you're 17, 18, 19, et cetera, you know, what's, what's on your mind, what's, um, what's important to you. And, and I guess by having an approach where we're trying to say something surprising about the army as well, something that's to a degree unexpected, standing for something mm. as well puts you firmly in the in the spotlight for a reaction so i think when you bring all of those factors together um you know we're trying to go beyond paid for media of course we want to cut through um to get attention our media budgets don't afford us you know the the ability to 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 reach everyone that we want to talk to so we always try and sort of build a platform where we can get into a, a bigger conversation a bigger platform to be able to talk about army recruitment 
And therefore, that is a deliberate approach. But having said that, some of that reaction can be really, I mean, I, I find it endlessly fascinating as well that, you know, people are sort of picking over the work and talking about it, as you say, on, on mm. phone-ins and, and, and all that kind of thing. Well, surely that's I mean, the definition of great marketing is well, that people talk about it. Well, the first role of marketing, of course, is to, is to get noticed and, mm. and to get that attention. Dave Trott said that 89% of, of advertising doesn't get noticed. So if we're doing that right, you know, then we're do, we're doing our mm. jobs hopefully right to that effect, but we need that real, um, people to pay attention to what we're trying to say. And I think what we've also learned over time as well is something doesn't have to be universally liked to be successful. We're trying to appeal to people that would kind of see through, mm -hmm. see through that, if you like, mm -hmm. as well. So for the people that do like it and are motivated or inspired to find out more, then that's the job that we're trying to do. Not, not everything has to be universally appealing. I mean, I think that's what makes great marketing and certainly great comms is that it appeals to the target audience and it's very focused and it creates a reaction. I think that's that's fantastic. I wanted to shift gears just a little bit and talk about your your marketing ecosystem for a little bit. What are you responsible for at the Army in terms of channels and, and touch points and how big is your team and what kind of skills and capabilities do you have in the team? So the team at the moment, um, it's not a huge team. It's about 17 people full time. Um, it's a blend of skills and experiences. They're a fantastic team, firstly, to, to say as well. We're sort of organized at the moment, mainly through skills and experience, but we're just going through an exercise at the moment to, to reorganize the team and to, to restructure that to be more closely aligned to the candidate journey and the roles that we need to, to fulfill along that candidate journey. So we're very much at the front end of that process in, um, you know, raising awareness, driving mm -hmm. consideration and conversion of people to come into the recruitment funnel. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And into our, into the process. So making sure that we're doing that in the right, with the right volume, in the right quality for all of the different role types and career streams that are available in the regular army and the reserve army. It's about 10 to 15,000 recruits a year that we're trying to uh, put into those roles. And to do that, we need to generate somewhere north of a hundred thousand applications across all of the different streams and role types. Um, and to do that as well, we make sure that we're providing a great uh, experience at the front end as well to, to, to make it as hopefully as frictionless as mm. possible. So what prompted this shift to a different organizational model for your marketing team? Because you've, you've moved from, a, I think you were more channel-led, weren't you? And you had different teams. Yeah. And now you're moving to this customer journey, um, organizational design. What prompted that shift? I think just a, a need that we can do things better. I think the channel approach worked um, mm. for, for many years, but we just kind of realized that actually there's a better way of doing this. Mm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, even for a small team, you can find yourself working in silos or, or, or missing opportunities or not fully being able to, to meet particular challenges. And I think that having just that sort of absolute focus on the customer and where they are in, in the process and being able to organize ourselves around them gives mm. us a much greater opportunity to, to, to improve and to develop and to yeah. Be, yeah. be more successful in that approach. 
100%. You're not alone. There are many, many brands no. going through a very similar yeah. transformation and one that makes perfect sense to be aligned around a customer and a customer you know, buying journey makes perfect sense. Did you keep the machine going? Was marketing on full blast throughout the pandemic or did you have to pull back? No, marketing was on full blast throughout. So we were in a very fortunate position that as you know, we were able to continue recruiting um, throughout the, the pandemic. Yes, we had to to shift and adjust and adapt as every other business had to as well. So whatever we could do virtually, we did virtually. We had to sort of change our process for, for certain things, um, but we could keep candidates coming through uh, the recruitment pipeline at the right stages. Some we had to kind of keep them holding for, for certain lengths of time before they could go in back into assessment centers. Um, but we were able to keep the, the marketing lights. So the machine fully was on. going and media yeah, as well. Absolutely. Did you increase your media spend or keep it the we, same? We kept media spend at our planned levels. And actually, okay. because, you know, for, for some of the months, we got the benefits for that where mm. you know, the cost of TV was cheaper for, yes. for, for a few months. So we got the benefits from doing that as other advertisers sort of pulled back or pulled out altogether. We kept that um, budget fully in place for the duration. Of, okay. Of and are you that. seeing the results now, given that there's so many skills shortages and, and worker shortages at the moment? Are you feeling the effects of that? It's a very competitive market out yes. there. And I don't think that's going to change mm. anytime soon. You know, I think there's something like a million vacancies that are available at the moment. Yes, there's skill shortages up and down the country. Um, and because we're also recruiting for part-time soldiers and officers as well in the army reserve it's a difficult job at the moment it's, it's, it's never been an easy task nothing has ever been straightforward in this whole army recruitment world um but i think the yeah the, the market is going to be difficult for the uh, for the foreseeable future so we have to redouble our efforts we have to make sure that you know we are as bold and as brave as possible making sure that our creativity is spot on our messaging is spot on our media is is right etc we're, we're in the right places um because we've got a brilliant offer a role in the army is like no other really um and we think the army's got a really strong strong message um right now in particular as well so if we can if we can make sure that that's front and center of as many people's minds as possible, then hopefully we can um, we can overcome some of that stiff competition. Amazing. It sounds like you've got your next round absolutely sorted and you have a great plan. And it's been a delight speaking to you. I'm, I'm practically ready to sign up now, Nick. It's, it's, you are, I, you're a great front person for, for the Army. I think you're doing an amazing job. Well, I can send you a link to our application form <laughs> straight after this. Anyone who um, knows me or... is killing themselves right now. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and kind of helping us understand more about what I what I think is a really great marketing story and really fascinating for uh, one of the the most iconic heritage brands this country has. And yes, I, I am calling it a brand. Um, it's been a really great chat. And thank you so much for sharing the lessons, the, the trials and the tribulations. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you for inviting me along. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Next Round. I hope you found it as interesting and informative as I did, and that you can take some insights and learning back to your own marketing. If you could rate and share this podcast, it would really help others to find these great stories. I'd also love to carry on the conversation and hear what you think, as we'll be sharing and chatting about this episode on LinkedIn and Twitter. The next round is brought to you by AAR, the experts in marketing ecosystems. 
At AAR, we are a multidisciplined team of consultants who have strong and well-informed views on what brands need to do to overcome today's marketing challenges in order to better connect their businesses to their customers and drive growth. Thanks for listening and see you next time.